Turn your Bibles, if you will. We are going to be in the book of Exodus, chapter 20. And as you're turning there, it is getting close to Thanksgiving. So why did the apple pie cry on Thanksgiving? Because its peelings got hurt. Why was the Thanksgiving soup so expensive? And it's not because of Bidenomics. Might be. This soup was made with 24 carrots. What sound does a turkey's phone make? Wing, wing, wing. Now, you know you're going to be repeating them tomorrow, so. Amen. Again, as we approach the Thanksgiving holiday, I, I want to take some time, and I want us to consider truly looking at spiritual mirror and ask ourselves, am I truly content and thankful? You know, the retail industry has done an exceptional job at exploiting our disease called the I once, right? We all suffer from the I once. They convince us that there's no way that we can be happy unless we have that latest and greatest thing. And they tell us not only will we be happy, but we also deserve to have the next big thing, right? Besides all that, the more we have, the happier we are. Isn't that what they tell us? Well, the reality is it's more the opposite, amen? One thing I've found out through the, through the over 20 years that I've been counseling couples, do you know what the number one issue is within a marriage? Nope. That's number two. Number one is communication. But number two is absolutely money or things, possessions. The number two problem within marriages, right? Married couples today, this is a staggering thought. Married couples today will accumulate in three to five years what their parents earned in 30 years. Staggering number. However, most of that stuff comes by way of credit, credit cards, high-interest loans. Bottom line, it boils down to debt, plain and simple. Matter of fact, debt is so bad that they've changed the wedding vows. It's now until debt do us part, right? Most people today are just not content, amen? And this stems from not having to go without. It's kind of the curse of blessing, right? Anybody see the fiddler on the rooftop? He always asks God to curse him. (laughs) It's kind of that same concept. So I want to spend our time considering how we can truly be thankful and content. Let's look in Exodus chapter 20, and we're just going to read one verse. Skip down to verse 17. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is your 
neighbors. Very simply put, God says, you shall not covet. Now, here we are giving the last, this is the last of the Ten Commandments. And to covet means to have an inordinate or unlawful desire for what belongs to someone else. That's what it means to covet. Now, this can be material things like their house, their car, their salary, even their looks. But it also includes things like fame, their power, their their status, their influence. To covet covers anything that belongs to someone else. It was once said, to whom little is not enough, nothing will be enough. So I want to clarify something before we go any further. God is not banning lawful desires. There's nothing wrong with having godly ambition. There's nothing wrong with desiring things. Matter of fact, Deuteronomy 8.18, listen to what God tells us. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth. James 1.17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights. So God is not against things per se. He's not against having godly desires. In fact, our desire to to establish and have a home and a family, that desire comes from God himself. But what I want to focus on are those unlawful desires, also known as covetousness. Amen? Again, this is the last of the Ten Commandments. And I believe God saved it for last for a reason. This last commandment, you shall not covet, really sums up all of the other commandments. The first nine, the the other commandments, the first nine, deal with our actions. But this last commandment deals with our attitude, right? The other nine commandments deal with our deeds, while this last commandment deals with our desires. This last commandment deals with our heart. And until we deal with our heart, all of the other commandments are just rules, right? Until we deal with our heart, in fact, the rest of the Bible is just a bunch of don't do this and don't do that. It's all about the heart. So let's dig in and let's get to the very heart of the matter. And let's start with the problem. And that problem is covetousness, right? And the reason it's such a big problem is because it's deceitful. Very few people recognize that they covet. Great preacher Charles Haddon Spurgeon, C.H. Spurgeon, he, he once said, he says, I've seen thousands of people converted but I've never seen a covetous person converted. Now, he was saying this tongue-in-cheek because nobody admits that they covet, right? It's kind of like in jail if you ask anybody, you know, what'd you do? Everyone's innocent, right? Same thing with coveting. We're all innocent. The Bible uses terms like a cloak of 
covetousness. To covet is one of those things that we never believe that we are guilty of doing. And that's why it's so important for us to really get to the root of the matter, get to the heart of the problem. We have to admit our sinfulness before we can ever find a solution, right? Romans chapter 7, verse 7. Now, keep in mind, this is the Apostle Paul, right? Listen to what he says. He says, what shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. On the contrary, he said, I would not have known sin except through the law. For I would not have known covetousness unless the law had said, you shall not covet. Here we have the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul was a Pharisee of the highest degree. He had one of the best educations that you could get in the law, and he was a master of it. That is until this little thing called covetousness tripped him up. And most of us, we are just like him, right? We could cross off most of the Ten Commandments, especially after we've come to know Christ, after we've been saved, we can cross off most of the Ten Commandments as we don't do them, right? However, none of us could ever say that we never wanted to, right? See the difference? It's about the heart. It's about that desire. We have to identify that desire in our hearts, We have to identify that propensity to stray from God and from his word. The Apostle Paul, he gives credit to that simple commandment, you shall not covet. He credits that simple commandment to help open his spiritual eyes to the sins of his heart. And we have to do the same. You see, outwardly, we can hold it together pretty good, right? We're pretty good at keeping most sins from coming to the surface. Maybe we didn't steal, but did we want to? Did the thought cross our mind? Maybe we didn't commit adultery, but did we want to? Did we look upon that person in lust? You see, that unlawful desire to want to, that's what we're dealing with to want something that belongs to someone else. This is what it means to covet, that desire to want to. So not only is covetousness deceitful, but it also declares our depravity, our depraved nature. Listen to what Jesus said in the Gospel of Mark. He said, from, uh, For from within, out of the heart of men... Proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, and foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile a man. We need to understand we are not a liar because we lie. We are not a thief because we steal. We lie because we are a liar. We steal because we are a thief. Amen? Do we understand that? 
It's who we are. That's our depraved nature. We were born with covetousness in us, in our nature. That's our depraved sin nature. Parents, how many parents in here? Majority are parents, right? How many of us had to teach our children how to misbehave? None, right? We spend our whole life raising up our kids, trying to teach them how to behave, right? Small children, they're, they're just selfish by nature, aren't they? When, you, when they're in a room playing with a friend, it's all you hear is, mine, 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 right? And sometimes it's cute to hear them and see them act that way. But when we're like that as adults, it's not that cute, is it? That's what we have to think about. Covetousness is a very debasing sin that will just absolutely consume our soul, right? So what is the root of of covetousness? It's pride, right? The pride of life, being self-centered. Everybody's like, boy, I'm glad I'm not that way, right? But it's something we're all guilty of. You ever been part of a group picture? Like a graduation picture? Who's the first person you look for? Me, right? I wanted to make sure I didn't look goofy. But that comes from pride, right? The first person we look at and look for is ourself. There was a a poll with college-aged Americans, and they were asked, what are your goals? What are your ambitions? What are your life aspirations? Listen to the top three answers. Number one was money. Number two was power, and number three was things or possessions. None of their plans ever included family, faith, or even charity. Not one. Most people identify themselves with their possessions, with their things. They believe that their worth is based on what they own. It's based on their things. But here's the problem. If we are what we have, then who are we if what we have is taken away? I want you to think about that. If what we have is lost, then what are we? But that belief is why we have so many suicides today. Why so many people commit suicide or go off the deep end when they experience a major financial, um, you know, setback. They equate who they are with what they have. So when what they have is lost, what are they left with? Nothing. They're left without a hope. Now here's how we truly calculate what we are truly worth. All right, get your papers out, get your calculator out, here you go. Add up all of our things that money cannot buy and death cannot take away. That's what we're worth, amen? Our family, our true friends, those things. The love of God, the love of Christ. That's what we're truly worth. So we need to understand that covetousness It's deceptive, it's depraving, and it's also destructive. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6. Now, godliness with contentment is great 
gain. Now that right there, that's the heart of it. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, with these things we should be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness, and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Covetousness can outright destroy us. Again, verse 6, that is really the heart of this message. Godliness with contentment is great gain. But then we have the majority. Look at verse 9. But those who desire to be rich... God is saying those who, you know, have set their heart, have set their mind on wealth and possessions, those who desire to be rich. The rest of the verse is the result. They fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. Then we see verse 10. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness. Simply put, they coveted. That's what that verse is talking about. They coveted. And what's the result? They pierced them through, themselves through with many sorrows. You see, the very things that are so desired, those things will never bring true joy, true happiness, true peace. God is warning us that those things that the flesh desires, those things that we covet, the only thing that they're going to bring is sorrow and trouble and destruction. Let me outline an all-too-familiar scenario today. You know, that very moment that we declare in our heart that I want to be rich, exactly what the Bible's talking about here. The moment that we do that, we have put money above God. And we've set up an idol in our heart. This idol now causes us to break the other nine commandments. Here's how. First two commandments deal with having no other gods, right? First commandment, you shall have no other gods before me. Second commandment, you shall not make any graven or carved image. The moment that we put that money above God and created that idol in our heart, we just broke the first two, right? Third commandment, don't take the name of God in vain. It's the same concept. The moment that we set up that idol in our heart, we've broken this commandment. Fourth commandment, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy, right? The Bible tells us in the creation story, Brother Ken was reading that earlier, 
that we were to work how many days? Six days. But the seventh day, we are to keep Sunday as the Christian Sabbath. How many today just coming to this church did we see working? Working to, you know, maybe they're working in the corporate office, try, try to climb that corporate ladder. Or just trying to get that overtime pay. And we can go on and on with, with the rest of the commandments. Stealing and, and lying and adultery. They all stem from coveting what is not lawfully ours. Because it deals with the desires of our heart. Now covetousness, we need to understand it's like a cancer. It will continue to spread until it absolutely consumes us. Ephesians 5.5. 5. For this you know, that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. We need to understand that money is the root of all kinds of evil because covetousness is the root of breaking God's commandments. Amen? And I hope that we're able to see just how big of a problem that covetousness is in our lives. It's deceitful, it's depraving, and it's just outright destructive. And we have to guard our hearts against it. We will never be truly thankful. We will never be truly content unless we deal with our hearts. Amen.